We'll hear God's word this morning for us from Luke chapter 2. If you would turn there, this is page 857 in your pew Bibles in front of you. The preaching text is verses 29 through 32, which is what we just heard the choir sing. But I will uh, provide some context by beginning in verse 22 and extending a little bit past the passage as well. So hear God's word for us this morning. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary his mother, Behold, the child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is God's word for us this morning. Amen. Let's take our seats. Well, let me remind you to keep your Bibles open that passage uh, we just had read out for us, and I will be looking um, particularly at the song, but also at the context that we had uh, read out as we come now to, to God's Word. Uh, those of us who have been following along uh, with the series in, uh, that we've been looking at this season, uh, we've been looking at a series that we've called Songs of the Season. And um, we've been doing this because we've been seeking to establish that the Christmas story, of which I suppose we're all so familiar, whether we're seven or 77, that Christmas story of which we're all so familiar with the, the pageantry and the, uh, the angels and uh, the wise men and uh, the baby in the manger and... And all of this, that Christmas story of which we are all so familiar, has deep roots um, biblically and factually. This is something that truly happened. And not only something that happened, but which has meaning beyond merely the the pageantry and the tradition and the, the families getting together, as lovely as those things are. It has a profound, uh, indeed transcendent, uh, spiritual and uh, we would say here at College Church, gospel, good news, significance. And so we've been doing this series that we've called Songs of the Season to establish that, to establish that the Christmas story is a true story, a biblical story, 
It's not just something that uh, we do out of uh, tradition and Western culture. Uh, And uh, though, of course, um, you can say that any holiday has roots in some sort of pagan heritage. You could say that about any holiday. And every year that Christmas comes around, they say the same about Christmas. It has some origin in in pagan times or something like that. That's why we have a Christmas tree, because it goes back to... Victorian England, where they brought over the Christmas tree from Germany, and the, the Christmas tree in, in Germany has pagan origins. You can make those kind of arguments, but when we look at the Bible, we realize that the heart of the Christmas story, the heart indeed of the Christian story, is true, and it has a transcendent meaning and ultimately a good news significance for us. Uh, this morning. So we've been seeking to establish that in our series that we've called Songs of the Season. We're here this morning at the next song, uh, Simeon's song. We looked at Isaiah's song first of all. Isaiah's song is a song of great hope. So right at the heart of the Christmas story is a message of hope. Jesus, we remember, came, and Isaiah, of course, was looking forward to his coming, But also at Christmas, we look forward to when he's going to come again. We're looking forward to his second advent, that Jesus will return in power and glory. And uh, we um, celebrate that with a sense of hope, whether then you're going through hardships this season, whether then you are suffering perhaps physically or emotionally or psychologically. Uh, whatever it is that you're going through this season, there's a message of hope. We look to that, and that hope comes from trusting in God. And then we looked at Mary's song, and Mary's song is a song of joy. Of course, that's a key part of the Christian message, and indeed of, of Christmas. It's a message of joy, of celebration, of excitement. And Mary's song is filled with joy as she worships God. And the joy that you're looking for this Christmas will not come from that gift under the tree. It will not come from eating exactly what you want to eat on Christmas Day. The joy that you're looking for will come as you bow the knee before the infant king, King Jesus, and worship him. That's where joy comes from. And so Mary teaches us that in her song. And then we looked at Zachariah's song. Zechariah, the priest who had been struck uh, mute because he hadn't initially believed that the promise that John the Baptist would be given to Elizabeth, and then when he opened his mouth the first time, having said, yeah, I'm agreeing with the angel, his name should be called John, and he opened his mouth after all this time, he uttered this extraordinary song of praise, and we saw ultimately freedom. And I sense that really resonated with all of us, that message of freedom, that real freedom comes not from doing whatever you want whenever you want it, but real freedom is the freedom to live according to God's design and to follow him, to be what you're meant to be. And so if you're looking for freedom this Christmas, it will come as you bow your knee before that infant King Jesus. And then last week we looked at the angel's song. And the angel's song is all about good news, the gospel, and how we need that this Christmas. We think there's so much bad news around, so many difficult things around, whether it's in politics or whether it's in the church and all the conflicts that you 
you can get into on the internet. You know, you read Facebook and the comments under some article or other, and you become very depressed. You know, these people kind of fighting against each other all the time. We need a message of good news, and there is a message of good news. And that message of good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is centered on the coming of Christ as a little baby who lived and died and rose again and will come one more time to claim all those who are his in great glory and judge the living and the dead. And there's a gospel held out that if you submit to Christ, even today, you can be saved. And that's the angel's message. Glory to God on the high and peace to those on whom his favor rests. And we called that we would hold out to each other that we would find peace, that we would preach peace, that we would live peace as we are reconciled to God, that we have this relationship with God now that is secure and certain and we can live forever at peace with him. And that was the angel's message. Now we come to Simeon's message. And Simeon's message is in many ways quite a surprise. It's a surprising kind of message. We've already heard that the choir sing about this uh, famous words, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. And you get this sense of kind of quietness. You, you feel as if, you know, there's this old man who, who, who sees this baby and he's now saying, well, finally I can die, you know. It's a sense of kind of like resolution. That's what we're expecting. But when you look at the text carefully, there's a surprise. And what Simeon is really saying, what Luke is saying through this story, is mission. See, God sent his son into the world. That's God's mission. His mission is to rescue people. And Jesus said, John uh, uh, 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, so am, I, so am I sending you. And there's a mission that all Christians have to tell others about Jesus. And right at the heart of Simeon's song is this reckon, recognition of the mission of God to reach people. That's a surprise. You come into this building and you think, well, what is there for me? Broken as I am, sad as I am, unsure as I am about my identity, my significance. And here there is a mission for you and then for all of us to proclaim that gospel, that uh, mission. So this passage is all about mission. God's mission to rescue people. And there are three parts to this surprise that it's all about mission this morning. And the first part uh, will run from verses 22 through to verse 28. And uh, there are really two elements to this. You're taking notes. There are three parts of the message, three surprises to this mission. And this first one is a surprising encounter, a surprising encounter. So there they are. Uh, the, uh, the parents of Jesus have gone to the temple. Verse 22, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that is Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord. 
And they're obeying God's law. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. They're obeying what God has told them to do, to present their firstborn child as, this is yours, Lord. We're going to bring him up to serve you. It's a dedication. They're going to do what God has told them to do. They're obeying the law. They're obeying God's word. And then verse 24, and to offer a sacrificing, a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. They're obeying what God has said. There's a surprising encounter of Mary and Joseph and Jesus when they meet Simeon. And the surprising encounter has these two parts to it. And first is the reason why they're there, the reason why they're in the temple, is because they're obeying what God says in his word. It starts there, doesn't it? Just simply to obey what God says in his word. You may not feel like it. You may not want to do it. You know, I sometimes have conversations with people when they're struggling in some situation. And uh, I present to them, say, look, uh, here you are. This is what the Bible says. And they'll look at me and say, well, yes, but I don't want to do that. I said, yeah, but this is what the Bible says. There's Mary and Joseph, and they're obeying God's word. They're obeying God's word by going to the temple. So here we all are in the house of God. Sometimes you come to church out of delight. It's so exciting, I'm going to be there. Sometimes you come to church out of duty. I'm going to be there because it is what God tells me to do. Do not give up meeting together, but do so more and more, especially as you see the coming of the Lord Jesus getting closer. You're there because God says to meet with other Christians. It is your duty as well as your delight. See, in our society, where there are so many different kinds of churches and so many different options, it's very easy to live with a kind of ecclesiological buffet. I like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I like the children's program there, and I like the music over there, and I like this and this place. But no, we meet together as God's people, as a family of God at Cottage Church. And the surprising encounter, if you're going to meet God, you need to go where God's people are. And it means obedience. So this surprising encounter happens, first of all, because Mary and Joseph obey the law. We need to obey what God says in his word. But there's another element too which is the work of the Spirit. So verse 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, obeying God's word, to do for him according to the custom of the law, obeying God's word, Simeon took him in his arms and blessed God and said, 
Well, Simeon's there because he's being led by the Spirit. Now, there are those who say that there is no subjective element to Christian guidance. You just obey God and do whatever else you like. And then on the other extreme, there are those who seem to live permanently by subjective feelings. You know, by the shiver in the liver. Uh, and, and they do something and because they ate bad pizza last night and they're feeling bad about it, you know. But there is a biblical balance. And there is, there is a leading of the Spirit. There can be great controversy about this in Christian circles. And so I'm just going to read out to you a, um, a sermon from 80, a part of a sermon, not the whole sermon, don't worry. Um, but a part of a sermon from 1884. So this is a long time before the Pentecostal and charismatic movement got going. And it's from uh, Charles Spurgeon. He said this, preaching on Thursday evening, by the way, 1884. You who know the Lord must sometimes have felt a strange delight which had no earthly origin. You have perhaps awakened in the morning with it and it has remained with you. A little while afterwards, you have had some severe trial and you realize the Lord had spoken to you to strengthen you to bear that affliction, that difficulty. At uh, other times, you have felt great tenderness about some one individual and you have felt constrained to pray and perhaps to go for some miles to speak a word to that individual and it turned out that God meant to save that person through you and he did so. I think we are not half as mindful as we ought to be of the secret working of the Holy Spirit upon the mind. There are certain fanatics who get delirious and dream that they are prophets and I know not what, but we just put them to one side, Charles Spurgeon says. This, though, is a very different thing from being guided by the Spirit of God in all the actions of life so as to obey the will of the Lord, sometimes in cases where we might not have known it to be his will or might have omitted it. Whenever you feel moved to do anything that is good, do it. Do it even without being moved, because it is your duty for to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. But above all, when there comes a gracious influence on the conscience, a gentle reminder to the heart, quickly and speedily do as the Spirit prompts. Taking note within your heart, the Lord has laid this particular burden upon you, and you must not cast it from you. He goes on, I should like to imitate one dear man of God with whom I sometimes commune. I'm not sure what he means by that. I guess it means they were friends, I think, probably. It's a 19th century preacher way of saying we're friends. But on one occasion, he seemed to feel in his soul that he must go to a little port in France to deliver the Lord's message. And as the boat went in, a person on the quay spoke to him. and He said, you are the one to whom I was sent. Within a month, that godly man was in Russia, seeking the souls of others of whom he knew nothing, but God had guided him, and they were brought to the Savior's feet. I know him as one who I believe lives so near to God that the Lord speaks to him otherwise than he does the most of men, for all Christians are not alike favored in this respect. 
One may be a child of God like Eli, yet so live that God will not speak with him. And on the other hand, one may be a child like Samuel, obedient, beautiful in character, and watchful to know God's will, praying, Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears, and then God will speak to you. It is not to all that he speaks, but he would speak to all if they were ready to learn what he had to say. You can be a very godly man like Simeon. And hear from the Lord in this way. It's a surprising encounter. And perhaps you're here because the Spirit nudged you to come to church this morning. And you're here to meet with Jesus. And that's my goal that you would. So first of all, in this mission emphasis on this message uh, this Sunday morning, we have a surprising encounter. But then we have a surprising message, and this is the actual um, psalm, the song, the poetry of, uh, of Simeon, and it begins in verse 29, Lord, now, and there are three parts to it, uh, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. So Simeon is a man of the word too, of course, otherwise he wouldn't be a man of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He has been looking forward to this moment. It has been shown to him that he would see the Christ, and he does. And now whether Simeon was old, as is traditionally depicted or not, we don't know for sure. It could be that he's saying, I'm, I know I'm going to die and go to, be, go to be with you now in heaven. Or he could be saying, I've finished my job. It's now time for me to do something else outside of the, the temple work that he had. We don't know for sure. But either way, he knows that this moment of culmination has happened. Why? Second part, verse 30 and 31. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. This is a surprising message. And then the third part, to emphasize it, verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now think where this is being spoken. They're in the temple of Israel. And what is Simeon saying? This is a light for revelation now to the whole to the whole world, to all the nations. It's a mission message. And therefore, it's a light for revelation to you and for you. That God is a mission God, that his heart is to reach out to all nations And his means of doing so is the infant Christ who grew and lived and then died and then rose again. It's now a light for revelation to all nations. It's not just for the religious people. It's not just for Israel. It's for all nations. It's for the homeless. It's not just for white people, it's for black people too, and Asians, and uh, all nations. It's it's not just for Americans, it's for English people as well, (laughs) even though we may have funny accents. Um, It's called English, by the way, but uh, (laughs) it's for all nations. 
You know, there's great controversy about this these days, particularly in the Western world. All this race controversies. But we as Christians, we have the answer. As a little Jewish baby whose skin did not look white like mine, almost certainly. And he's the savior of all nations. All nations. And all we need to do is come and bow before him as our infant king. Saved from what, she say? Saved from sin. There is in human nature something that is wrong with us. You know it. We all know it. There's a part of human nature that is out of sync, tends to go wrong. We're broken ever right from our mother's womb, from gestation. There's something not quite right with human nature. And God, in his infinite mercy, has provided a way for that human nature as God himself in Christ takes on our nature without sin and lives a life without sin and dies a death, a sinner's death, in our place, though he did not deserve that, uh, that death. He did it for us, for you, that you might be saved. And all the other stuff, you know, all the Pharisaic legalism, all the, the Sadducees liberalism, all the, the politics, Republican and Democrat, all that stuff, let it bleed away, fade into the background as you come before the infant Christ who's a light for all nations and is salvation for you. If you'll accept him. And so we come to the final surprise of this mission, which is not only a surprising encounter, a surprising message, but then at the end, uh, we have a surprising battle, a surprising battle, verses 33 and 34. Well, look how surprised, first of all, um, Mary and Joseph are about this whole thing. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Um, that, that means they're astonished. They, 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 wow, what is, and this is Mary and Joseph, remember. They've had a lot of astonishing things recently. But now they marvel. Why? Because this is for all nations. And it's told them in the temple. They marvel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. To bless someone is to announce God's approval. It's to say prayerfully, I wish what is best, according to what God defines as best, for you. So Simeon blesses them. And then whether this is a part of the blessing, I don't know. If so, it's probably one of the most unusual blessings you're ever going to read in the Bible. Or sort of tacked on afterwards as a final thought. 
So Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, or see, look, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What on earth is Simeon saying? What he's saying is that when King Jesus comes, there's a choice to be made. And that choice can create conflict uh, internally in our own hearts and minds as we wrestle with do we really want to submit to God or do we really want to do what we want to do? It can create conflict between different people, some who are submitting to God and some who are not. And in that conflict or that battle, it reveals something. It reveals what we really think about God. Our response the biblical message of Christmas, our response to the gospel, our response to Christ reveals what's really going on. What we really think about God. I think some ways the, the person who explained this best was Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens, of course, wrote many very long books, but the book he's most famous for is very short, uh, Christmas Carol. And in that book, there's this famous figure, Scrooge. And of course, it's, it's Christmas. But Scrooge's heart is hard. He's resisting Christmas. And the ghost of Christmas past takes him back to that moment when he wasn't like that, when he was softer and more kind and gentle. And he was deeply wounded and hurt. And he decided to choose materialism rather than a uh, relationship with a woman and rejected the possibility of marriage. And now he's hard in his heart year after year after year after year after year after year. And now it's Christmas and he's as hard as a cold stone. And Christmas comes along. And it reveals something about Scrooge. What he really thinks about God. Because the good news is even Scrooges can be saved. You say, how is that possible? Well, Simeon has told us. He's told us exactly how that is possible. It is a light for revelation to the nations and for glory to your people Israel For my eyes have seen your salvation, 
as he took Jesus in his arms. And that's what you need to do. You need to take Jesus in your arms. And by his spirit. May he be born in you today. Our Lord God, we do ask that would be true for each of us uh, this morning. And uh, we pray, Lord, that we would receive the mission. But also, Lord, we ask that with this surprising encounter, by obedience to your word and by the prompting of your spirit, with this surprising message that it is for all nations and the international, the solution to the international interracial tensions of our age are in the gospel of Jesus. A surprising message and a surprising battle that reveals where our hearts really are. We pray, Lord, that we would receive, we would embrace Jesus. And we also pray, Lord, that we who are your people here this morning would be on mission. That as, as you say uh, in, in the Gospel of John, as the Father has sent me, so am I sending you. That, Lord, we would be on mission. We pray particularly, Lord, that you would help us to invite people to those um, Christmas Eve services coming up very soon. And so we embrace you, Lord Jesus, as our Lord and our Savior. And we pray, Lord, that we will go and tell this message uh, wherever you lead us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.